have 60 seconds to comply. I think you'd better do what he says, Mr. Kenny. You have 60 seconds to comply. This is minute 81. Part man? Part machine. All part. This video begins with Joe saying, and what do I find in the prison parking lot but a brand new 6000 SUX, and ends with Joe armed and dangerous. So my first note is, like, Joe's got himself a brand new SUX, but Clarence has a brand new toy. And uh, mm. you know when it's that thing where you have that menace locked away and, and you know it's gonna, it's coming and it's, it's well off in the future and you can't wait to see it, then you suddenly realize, yeah. oh, we, we're getting close. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have been so looking forward to this minute. <laughs> Cause, uh, really? This one? Because I freaking love this gun. <laughs> it's a BFG. It's a big freaking gun. It is a... Well, so... Because I... Okay, so we've firmly established that I'm the gun guy pretty much in this podcast. Mm. Uh, yep. I'm the car woman and uh, you're, you're, the, you're the gun guy. So we've already talked about the SUX, but this is the first time we get to see the cannon assault. Sorry, the Cobra assault cannon. Mm. So, uh, oh, where do I start? I you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me count the ways. <laughs> so this is actually a real gun, like mm. most of the guns in Robocop. In the universe, it's basically just a hip-mounted mini explosive rifle all right uh with what they called um video tracking system video targeting system sorry okay that unfortunately that effect got cut for budgetary reasons (laughs) but this is actually a real gun it is a barrett 50 caliber m82 sniper rifle Mm. all they did was add the big boxy scope on top the rest of okay. that gun is the gun the, the real oh it's a god. u.s military it's a u.s military uh, grade sniper rifle what's it called i want to have a closer look it's called the barrett double r double t m82 according to the wikipedia it's a recoil operated semi-automatic anti-material sniper rifle that's a serious gun it is a very very serious gun so yes, fifty caliber um, bullets, big mm. chunky chunky bullets. All I'm going to say is, according to the Wikipedia, uh, which and according to their uh, technical manual, the me- the maximum effective range of the M107 variant, which is a sniper rifle with the uh, with a huge suppressor on the front, which is what I think these ones are. So even that that big chunky box on the front of the gun is actually mm. the suppressor. It has a lot of power to suppress, but it's uh, not. It does. It's not a silencer by any stretch of the imagination. The maximum effective range is one thousand eight hundred and thirty meters. That's that's how far away you can effectively kill someone with this thing. My God! So is it classified as a sniper rifle, or yes? What what is it? Yes, it is a sniper rifle. But it packs a hell of a punch. Oh yeah, you can headshot a person in one shot kill. Headshot a person from a kilometer away. In the movie, though, it's more like an explosion. Yeah. Is that just <laughs> for effect? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking, like, is it like a grenade launcher? What is it? How is it? No, doing no. That? It's just it's just a fifty caliber 
a rifle bullet. It is just a gun. No explosion, no incendiary. This thing is designed to like punch through armor and stuff like that. And yeah, beating this. This is one of those guns where if you shoot someone from a kilometer away, they're dead before they hear it uh, shoot out. So a bad way to go. But it reminds me, I think it was Chris Rock. He's talking about making bullets really expensive. (laughs) But just a line damn, he must have done something wrong. Yeah, this is a US military grade piece of arsenal. Uh, yeah the maximum range of this weapon, which in america you could probably buy at walmart i assume <laughs> yeah, pretty much no I, I believe this is like you know it is pretty hard to get they just like it's like a film studio They'll probably just go can we get guns and they go, yeah sure just don't shoot anyone with it not to bring up the robocop remake just yet but this i feel like this is the kind of thing that maddox has taped to the back of his toilet door oh god like well, that's the thing. This is where I was going to get to in a bit, is that this gun doesn't need to be incendiary to take out Robocop. This thing no. would punch through him. Like, one shot. And then shot. turn around and do it again several times, yeah. Well, it is um, semi It's like semi-automatic, It's um, but it can be used, I think, um, bolt action. But mm. yeah, so it's, um, it's not a fast-firing weapon. It also... Okay, so... This is a gun that also Robocop uses at the end of the movie to take down Ed 209. It's got a, um, uh, what you call it, bipedal stand. You have to use this. You cannot hip shoot this gun. If you hip shoot this gun. No, unless you're Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> even he, he uses the actual uh, bipod. If you ah. hip shoot this gun, the recoil is probably going to shoot it out of your hands. If you try and, like, put it up to your shoulder, you're going to end up. At best, with a dislocated shoulder, this has a hell of a kickback. The coolest gun moment in any movie forever will be in Terminator 2 when Arnold Schwarzenegger is, is riding along on the motorcycle and he re- he pump the, the pump action oh, yeah. on, the, on the shotgun with one hand. It's like, that's the fucking coolest shit ever. <laughs> yeah, that gun... Well, that, that that's a real uh, shotgun. It had to be heavily modified so they could do that. Ah, are you telling me that Arnie isn't just that powerful naturally? <laughs> no, it's about uh, the length of the rifle. The rifle? It's about the length Rapid? of the barrel and the uh, stock. It uh, that has to be oh, shortened okay. down because it has to be because uh, it's yeah, it's it's a um oh god, what you call it? I can't think of the bloody um locker. It's like a ratcheting um system, but yeah, so it mm. had to be modified so they could do the spin gun thing. But it, mm. that's a real thing that can happen. Uh, so yeah, the uh. maximum effect, the maximum range. This is how far this gun can shoot. Mm. Four kilometers. Mm. That mm. is. I can't astounding. even visualize four kilometers. I just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So this is actually my favorite gun in the video game uh, Delta Force, and I this... love being a sniper. With this fucking gun. Yeah, I, I've always been a sniper in, in most games, but this is the kind of weapon that you actually... It, it's its reaching so far, you got to use math to mm. use it. <laughs> well, that's it. The, um, which one of the things I like about Delta Force is that the, you have to adjust the scope so you ah. can get an accurate reading on how Curvature far away the, the target is so you can kill someone. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that there aren't any snipers who are flat earthers? Uh, well, I, I can't really say. Um, no, it's not less about curvature of the Earth 
and more about a trajectory. So the bullets, the bullet will drop. Like it's just mm. gravity and speed can only get you so far. It will, mm. the bullet it was will actually drop, about but it, uh, the what? Uh, what do you call that? The uh, however high something, the altitude from from sea yes. level. So it's not really the curvature, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where you literally can shoot upwards at a certain degree, and through the trajectory at a certain point, it will just curve down. And kill kill motherfuckers. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a beast of a fucking weapon. And yes, without the explodiness, it would definitely take out a Robocop, regardless of the universe. Mm. So yeah. Have you ever fired a gun? Me? Yes. Have you ever fired two guns while jumping in the air? Sadly, no. Um, oh, shame. I, I, I've always I been wish, curious. I've never. Done... I wish I was that cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never fired a gun, but I always I want to try everything at least once. So I am curious about it. So uh, I don't. It's probably still around. There is a place in Perth called the Lone Gunman. It's a shooting range. Yeah, and I went there for a friend's bucks night. Type in Robocock for twenty percent. <laughs> God, I'm like I'm not sure we want to shoot off our Robococks that early. <laughs> yeah. That'd be one hell of a sponsorship, though. That's, <laughs> that's 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 appropriate. A, <laughs> I went for a bucks night almost twenty years ago, and it was like for like a hundred bucks back then. You, mm. I think that was you get to shoot. Um, oh god, I can't remember what the caliber is. It's very tiny caliber. It's like a rim shot. Um, was it point three eight or something? I can't remember. Mm. It's a very very small caliber gun, but you get like fifty rounds. It to use with a pistol and mm. 50 rounds to use in a revolver but this is after so i don't know if you recall but like late 90s early 2000s there was a series of uh i'm not sure how much of murder but there was definitely a series of suicides that happened at gun ranges oh wow a lot of restrictions got put in place where like um so Unless you you have a licensed firearm or own a licensed mm. firearm or like you're in good standing with like a, a shooting club, if you go to one of these gun ranges, you have to. They will install the gun, and it's on like a bar system and a a wire system, so you can't turn the gun around onto yourself. You can't you know, you can't basically oh. shoot yourself without literally climbing onto the gun range itself. So there's there's mm. a lot of precautions in place to do that. But So yeah. uh, I guess for international listeners, uh, in Australia, we used to have guns, and then I think it was during the Howard administration. Port Arthur, specifically, was the main incident yeah. that got rid of our shotguns and rifles. But, and um, you can own a gun, but I th- they just stay in the gun range. I don't think you can actually take them out, except we well, our police officers do have guns, and then I see them on farms, so I don't know. I think there's special rules for rural areas, because, yet yeah, you need them for uh, uh, our indigenous Pests. life, <laughs> life <laughs> forms. Um, yes. But also, you, I don't know if it's changed. You can keep a gun on private property, but you need to have a. It needs to be fully registered, and you need a gun vault. And I believe mm. the ammunition has to be kept separate from the gun. You can't keep a loaded gun, mm. even if that if it's like a safe within a safe to keep your ammunition separate from your your gun, mm. it could be different by now. But yeah, shooting a gun 
at a defenseless paper tower getter is really fun. Yes. We we might actually have to go and do that at some point. Yeah, oh, I mean, actually, I'd, I'd love to go hunting one day. But, yes, I think you and I, hopefully in our <laughs> RoboCop OCP uniforms, <laughs> I would love to go to Gun Rage. That would be great. That would be pretty there. funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the, so here's the other thing. Um, when I was at the gun range, uh, I did. I was witness to somebody mm. shooting a shotgun in one of the um, booths, and mm. I don't really because okay, so you wear hear protection and stuff like that, so that's fine. But I don't recall mm. hearing so much the shotgun so much as feeling the blast in my stomach. Oh my god! Like, wow. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I'm very small. I wonder if I can can I handle it or am I going to be like friggin' Kermit the Frog trying to fire a weapon <laughs> blasted into a wall? No, I mean, okay, so um the the guns they 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 start off cuz it, it's basically like um like a, a newbie course they'll put you through, you know, like go through the gun safety blah blah blah. blah. It might be a bit different now because, you know, again, it was a long time ago. I'm just going to do a quick uh learning. Ah. Lone Ranger's shooting complex in Belmont. So it looks like it's still open. So, yeah. It's, mm. uh... Mm. It, it's pretty cool. So just have a look at the website. I'm tempting fate looking at it again. And it is a quality tourism accredited business. So, fun for the whole family? Hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it... Yeah, it it is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I would, I, I I can't even, I wouldn't be even begin to try and yeah use a live target. But no, I I would say it's if anything, it's worth a shot. Mm. <laughs> Not mm. intended, mm. but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Uh, oh yeah, so here we are. It's a um a twenty two a point twenty two caliber. I think is the uh, starting one. Let's start this one. Ooh. Sorry, I just noticed you can actually shoot a 9mm M1911, hmm. which is a very classic uh, pistol that mm. turns up in a lot of movies. Nice. I, I, I wonder if they've got a Desert Eagle. I really hope they've got a Desert Eagle. <laughs> it's funny when it comes to the way we... I don't know... It, treasure certain kinds of machinery so you know me with my cars at the car show today yeah and it's just whenever i see a sub or a pontiac or every once in a while a studebaker i just it's the highlight of my day just, oh my god can anyone else seeing this oh my god and no one else gives a shit you know yeah <laughs> and same thing with guns people go nuts for certain kinds of guns and what is it about that particular gun i don't know man I th I think one of it is our love of media, especially it's like mm. media like this, like Robocop, where there's a lot of guns in this movie, and I've really not really kept track of most of them, because for the first part, they're not interesting guns, they're just a gun. Yeah. But then you look at something like the, the Cannon Assault, uh, sorry, the Cobra Assault Cannon and the uh, Auto 9, these mm. really interesting, just bizarre looking things that have such a tremendous amount of power behind them like the the power behind the auto nine the the three round shots and just this destructive power you just can't help but go Ooh. 
the first gun that I ever really noticed was the, I think it's called the P90, which is this machine gun that they use in Stargate. And it's such a weird looking thing. And it's just, it's fun. I really love that design. And it became such a character on its own in the show. I think the one I was first drawn to was a Beretta 9mm because I found a really cool funky toy gun that actually Mm -hmm. uh, had a pullback slide that made a sound. And that was one of the first guns I would spin. But probably even before that would be the Walther PPK, which is, of course, course. the James Bond gun. Yes. Yeah. Which is a fairly ordinary-looking gun. Yeah, but it's more associated with... uh, Well, back in the 80s, not just James Bond, but also uh, The Equalizer, which was also a popular uh, show in the 80s starring uh, Edward Woodward. A great name. It's very elegant, Edward Woodward. Mm. Edward Woodward. Edward. Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah, it's it's one of those names you don't know when to stop. Stop. No, you don't know where to start. You just don't sometimes know when to stop. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Edward. Because Edward Woodward would. Ed, Edward Woodward. Edward Woodward. <laughs> We're stop. I guess that is an actual legitimate sentence. What would Edward Woodward do? Ah. Edward Woodward would. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now that the technical difficulties are back on track, and um... <laughs> we managed to get about half an hour, twenty minutes on just guns, I'm, I'm impressed. I didn't think I had much to say about it, but here we are. No, it's funny because uh, I think we in Australia we're very insulated for a lot of the um, negative aspects of gun violence. Mm-hmm. We we are in a country that has one of the lowest uh, gun depth. Uh, related murders mm. in the world I, i'm not I, we're not zero i kind of like how uh, we get creative around here one time someone tried to rob a petrol station with a syringe that they claimed was filled with aids blood oh. it was in fact oh god blood, i remember that still yeah it's like wow good on wow. you australia getting fucking creative <laughs> yeah we we have we still have plenty of ways to fuck people up but mm. uh Guns being one of the few ways... I mean, the bikies have guns. Yeah, they do. There's always gun-related crime, but it's not quite as... Well, part of the culture as America is, and that's, I think, one of those things that... As an outsider to that, we don't have quite the same visceral positive or negative reaction. We don't... Yeah, it's sort of... It's such a... Actually, I was going to say this before when I was asking if you'd ever fired a gun. Is for most people in Australia, it's it's a movie thing. It's not a thing you've ever yeah. actually done in person. You don't. You can't wrap your brain around it. I mean, I think the first time I saw a gun in real life was on a cop. You know, just at McDonald's. Really? Like they just walk in and you just look at their look at their pouch. And- oh, I thought you meant they actually pulled it out and they were using it. It's like, oh shit. No, 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 no. No, no, that would have been a lot more. Uh, that probably have been a memory I would have come up immediately more. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, it's dude. just. Um, so there's always been a more of a. So in England, like guns, they're still guns, mm. um, but like the the bobbies don't use guns. Mm. So like even there, you've got you don't have that tight associations to guns and cops, mm. and even here you. You don't get the f- thing in America where it's like someone gets pulled over and shot just because. Because they're not trained to do that. Like, the the gun is very much a last resort. Mm. And they'd rather go for the taser first than the gun. Unless someone, you know, went for the gun. 
Yeah, uh, well, apparently I'm trying to do the research on the fly here. Uh, gun fatalities last year in Australia was uh, about 230. And yeah. let's see what uh, gun deaths in the US in 2020. Could you give me just... A... Well, you, okay, so the statistics are going to be a little bit skewed because of things like the pandemic and stuff oh my like God. that. But Sorry, yeah. this particular year, we've seen a, a back up to the almost regular amount of gun violence regarding school shootings and mass shootings. So, yeah. okay, so we yeah, so we get about two hundred and thirty deaths a year in the United States in twenty twenty, the most recent year for which complete data is available. For forty five thousand two hundred and twenty two yeah. people died from gun related injuries in the United States. Um, yeah, that's a problem. That's that's. Kind of fucked. Well, because I was looking at 230 going, man, that's a lot. No, it's not, apparently. So this is this is one of the criticisms we can honestly level against Robocop. Not from a filmmaking production capability like movie critique, but a societal critique is, mm. do movies like this contribute to this violence uh mm. in an abstract kind of way do people see these movies and go wow that's so cool i want to do that yeah i there there is always that argument especially against video games where people say well yeah. is this influencing people's minds and i actually say yeah. fiction absolutely influences people uh, however, I don't think it's as dramatic as as you know the the pearl clutching conservatives say. Oh well, if you see no, no. if you even fire a gun in a game, that's a gateway drug to actually using. No, it's not. But I think it does yeah. shape our attitudes. And if you are surrounded by positive depictions of guns or very casual depictions of guns, then you won't see it as frightening. But if you saw a lot of media that made it look scary and and deadly, I think that would change mm. your attitude. Now, that's pretty much exactly right. Um, I, I, I was going to say, I was going to try not to sound like a hypocrite because I, I do know a bit about this, but it's uh, mm. this is why we're going to the hypothetical. Media doesn't directly influence people like, yeah, like people try and claim video games. You, you've got the exact perfect analogy there. Mm. First-person shooters have never been linked to increase of violence. Mm. The, the, the link that happens is when people with a violent nature will play violent video games. Yeah. And that might inspire them, but that's also been the same for media. It's What's this thing person. with alcohol or drugs or anything like that? If someone was exactly. already an asshole, it just brings that <laughs> out. It's not that the drugs themselves are inherently yeah. going to cause that. It's a, yeah, I kind of take, I guess, sort of a middle-of-the-road approach with a lot of things where you go... Well, everything in moderation, and yeah, if any sort of illicit substances or weapons or whatever, none of those things are inherently good or bad. It's how you mm. apply those things in your own life. Yeah, it's uh, there are there have been plenty of studies uh, about this, especially regarding the violent video game uh, uh, scapegoating uh, mm. with like Jack Thompson back in the two thousands and stuff like that. There's there's been a lot of insight into violent media. Mm. And and it's true, like, Robocop is probably as much going to incite someone to turn themselves into a robot as it would be someone, yeah. you know, going and shooting cops. Yeah. If you look at it directly like that, it's more the critique is what the how does the media as a whole help. Mm. And yes, positive 
um, representation of truly heinous things has an effect. It's it does. Uh, what's what's the term? It's it's it numbs the audience. It desensitizes people. So. Yeah, I don't know why my brain's jumping to this uh, analogy of it, it's the difference between weather and climate. And you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, it's it's cold, <laughs> colder than usual this year. Therefore, global warming isn't happening." Well, yeah, no. It so when you talk about okay, the weather. Um, in my analogy here, bear with me. Um, yeah, uh, uh, so it's not d- directly cause and effect. Like, oh, mm. it's cloudy, therefore it rain. Ah, people are watching a lot of violence in television, therefore they're going to act it out. No, but it's climate. Yeah. It's the climate that you're creating around this individual. It's the culture. And so if you have a culture with one kind of attitude, it's not one movie or one video game that's going to cause someone to act that way. It's just you're creating this climate of a certain kind of thinking, a certain perspective. Exactly. And the 80s, there was very much this... um... Well, this is the period of like the action hero, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the Stallones, these... Mm. um... Again, climate and that influenced body image, and it wasn't just one movie yes. or one actor. It was the climate of that. Yeah. And it, this is also the Reagan period as well, so there's just this hypermasculinity going on with uh, these heroes, and it's just the whole, you know, they just go out and they just blast away and shoot, and they just shoot their problems away, things like that. It so, is fascinating yeah. comparing this era of the 1980s action films to modern western culture because we've gone so far the other way where masculinity is is now quite controversial and we're seeing a more gentle masculine or more empathetic uh culture in general not just men but men and women and and in general well it's also the fact that well that's it you got you're going to have more approaches to media but we also saw a well, basically, we saw the death of the 80s action hero somewhere in the 90s, where, mm. especially, like, post-9-11, where, it be, like, we saw the emergence of... Actually, predating that, we saw uh, the John McClane's more than we mm. saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger's, and after that, we saw the Jason Bournes, the James James Bond getting a popular cultural resurgence. I would throw Neo in there as well, because Neo does not feel oh, like yeah. an 80s action. So he, There is something a little bit more... I guess people make fun of the character's intellect, but I think he is a little bit more cerebral. He's a little bit more hmm. uh, introspective, I want to say. Well, he's also not quippy. He's not quippy. You know, he, he's very introspective. Yeah. He's, he's, he, I feel like there's a lot going on behind yeah. his eyes. There's not so much said out loud. Yeah, well, that's also been how um, an extension of that would be, of course, naturally, uh, John Wick. Like, yes, yeah. And John Wick is also an extension of the John McClane trope, the guy who can get his ass beat but then still comes out on top, you know. Actually, you know, it's funny. You talk about John Wick. There is, I mean, it's a little bit John Wayne. I mean, the names are very similar. There's a little bit of that John Wayne. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I'd say he's more like a 90s action hero than anything. Yeah, yeah he's very much... Yeah, so the, the very much the John McCain... McCain? The John McCain. McClane... Uh, McCain, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> no one else will know what that is. Oh, the Aussies and no. Um, That's what matters most. But yeah, it, it is interesting how how the action hero genre, or the action hero, the action genre itself, the action hero genre, mm. and I think this is applying that to Robocop. Uh, Robocop is this stoic hero as well. He's well, mm. you know, he predates a lot of this type of stuff when you think about it. But um, like where like 
Stallone is like, uh, uh, <laughs> Arnie's just all quips. Like, to have this character. Well, no, it's like, has, ooh, and ah, uh, and ooh, uh, and ah, uh, yeah, that's, uh, 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 that's the com- <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah. The for hours. <laughs> With not a single word being spoken. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that's why I think I, I'm drawn to Robocop more than a lot of other 80s action protagonist oh. heroes because there is that, 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 I don't know, like a... He's not the toxic masculine archetype. He, there is a softness. No. There is an introspection. There's a gentleness to Murphy. And hmm. I think... Even though, surprisingly, we don't actually see that much of him. Having reviewed this one minute at a time, I realized, oh, wow, you know, the actual amount of screen time you get with Murphy as Murphy yeah. is not that much, but you get so much of who he is, and and a lot of that's because of, of Peter Weller bringing a lot of that, too. It's oh, yeah. just a lot of pathos. There's, there's something very admirable about him as a character. Well, even as Robocop, that's... Uh... Like because Peter Wells is not playing him like you know a br- big bravado character. Yeah, you know, like they wanted in the script. Yeah, he is a bit soft spoken. He doesn't have any of that smarm or anything like that. So. I think that stoicism is one of the most powerful aspects of RoboCop, and it's funny when yeah, we read it... the script, we always cringe. <laughs> because... Well, it's less the script but the book. <laughs> oh the, yes, sorry, yeah, and that, that kind of. Duke Nukem kind of bullshit. Oh, God. And so, so yeah. you know, um, oh, I guess Judge Dredd's a little bit that way, especially the Carl Urban version. The, they're just more stoic. The they're straightforward. They're, yeah, there's something about that character that I'm actually quite fascinated by the stripped back character in, uh, to reference my other podcasts, Covenant Minute. Mm. Yeah, I love David. Look, David's fantastic and he's so melodramatic and he's fantastic. But <laughs> Walter, the other android played by Fassbender, I find characters like that really interesting, and you got to pay really close attention to them because they're not mm. big, they're not in your face. There's a lot being communicated in this very stoic, subtle way, and I find that quite rewarding, actually. Big props to Fassbender for Covenant. Is you know, okay, maybe Covenant didn't do as well, or I think it didn't mm. uh, hit the cultural zeitgeist as much as uh, uh, Prometheus, but yeah. Fassbender's acting in that movie, and especially when he's having to play off Walter mm. and David. Holy and shit! I yeah. think we've 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 talked about this um, off mic. Is mm. uh, one of the things I I caught on in the end of Covenant, and I loved is when if you pay close enough attention, you can pl- you can watch Fassbender as David mm. pretend to be Walter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just an extra layer of acting where you just go, fuck, this guy is so good. He's a piece of shit. Michael Fassbender's he, a piece of shit. As a person, yeah. <laughs> yes. But he's a phenomenally good actor. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, friend, friend of the pod, uh, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, oh, shit. He could be a really good Robocop. Ooh, yeah he's, yeah. he's got the face. He's got the chin. He's definitely he's got a face. He's slender enough. Yeah. <laughs> and he he could he could act the fuck out of uh, the, oh, the yeah. duality of Robocop. Yeah. If any man knows how to act like a robot, it is that man. He's done it twice, <laughs> at least. He, he, he might not want to be typecast, but uh, Maybe. yeah. If they were ever going to do a new Robocop, and we sincerely hope not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, yeah, 
again, I'm open to the idea of new movies and these kind of things, but they got to be done with like actual care and mm. passion and not just a a cheap uh, knockoff. And we're not getting there yet. Fingers crossed for the Christine remake by uh, Brian Fuller. Oh, I'm anxious. <laughs> Uh, so I only got a couple more notes, uh, mostly because the the book and the, the the script are exactly the same. But there's one line in this <laughs> in this minute that stuck with me throughout my entire life, and occasionally I'll pull it out and it's I like it. <laughs> Fuck, I love that line. It's a great line. It is such a great line. Uh, and as a commentary uh, note for that, um, Ed wrote it just not thinking much about it. And it was actually, that was all Paul McCann, who was just like, you know, he really took that line and absolutely fucking owned it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, what is that? Uh, have you ever seen, um, oh, God, Streets on, Streets on Fire, I think it's called Streets of Fire, yeah. Streets on Fire? No, I can't say it's I've ever heard of that Defoe, one. hang on, gonna look, Street, Streets of Fire, Street, hang on, Streets of Fire, oh, Streets of Fire, 1984 really great movie um and it's kind of got the same vibe uh, it's kind of like this rock star post-apocalyptic future with these kind of 1950s rock and roll elements as well but cool yeah there is something about that 50s uh slash 80s um or in this case specifically 80s just that griminess and i want to know what that mm. is what what are we missing in modern cyberpunk apocalyptic movies is it just because it's filmed on film there's just something about it we're missing i think one of the problems with a i think this is especially true with like uh, modern horror and the rise of digital technology is something about okay a lot of old horror because it was shot uh primarily on 16 mil film stock and projected you know, roughly the same as 32. But because it's smaller, the actual um, silver nitrate crystals that are on the film look mm. bigger on screen. That's where you get um, film noise from, is actually the um, is actually the silver nitrates. Ah, so like that grain and the noise. and the... Yes. Ah. Yeah, same with cameras as well. But that's uh, film... Uh, slide cams are slightly different when you come to ISO speeds. But yeah, that's how, like... Um, a lot of early horror was shot on 16mm. So it, the film itself has a grunge to it. And because it's usually low budget, you know, shot at night so they could hide a lot of the cheap special effects, it becomes part of the filmic language. And when you put that onto now ultra-modern clean digital technology and CGI, it doesn't work quite as well. Mm. I miss that the, the sort of the grain and the texture and CGI and mm. and all that doesn't it? It's not the CGI. It's just as a glossy fakeness to all movies now, and I hate it. It's not to say that you can still do effective low budget horror with like a digital camera and stuff like that. I've seen I've seen a micro budget horror movie that I absolutely fucking love, but it's not relying on you know the special effects it's relying on being really funny and smartly written and also it's got a uh a carousel unicorn that's got the entrapped body uh it's like the entrapped soul of a nazi that goes around murdering people so and it's absolutely zero cgi like literally you know they've got a model carousel horse that they used to like you know murder people with and stuff like that what so is it's, this it's, it's called carousel carousel okay <laughs> 
it is amazing. I've got it on V. I got it on DVD. Uh, you can. It is online. You can find it on like a like. Uh, what's that? I think it's on the horror sales at Shutter. I think it's on there. It's it's. You can find it online for free. It's it's so funny. Mm. And thankfully, the guy who created that is doing the shingles movies that I uh, kickstarted, and I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, but yeah, it's it is telling that like our technology improved and somehow it's made some things worse, mm. and we need to reclaim some of that uh, great low budget stuff and have it look a bit shit. Hmm. Yeah, because it's it's really hard to film on physical film, but you'd think we could just replicate that digitally. There have been attempts. There's a lot of um, what you call it post-rendering that you can like plug into like people will make and distribute uh plugins for like uh, adobe or um uh, davinci and stuff like that that will uh add digital noise or digital grain you can use like vignetting techniques and stuff like that but and oh yeah and there's ways to replicate uh film stock mm. in in these things as well so but sometimes it's just i don't know Something's missing. Yeah. Everything was better back in the day, and everything's bad now. <laughs> well, here's a great example of something that's now done digitally, but couldn't do it back in 1987, and that is Explosion. So I've got my last note, which is about the... Um... <laughs> I brought this up last minute. So there was an explosion in this minute that was a little bit bigger than they were expecting. <laughs> According to... Uh, Paul, the explosion was mostly safe. Mostly. <laughs> so, um, John, uh, the, the producer, clarifies the only real dangerous part was there was real glass on the set in the explosion. Uh, but <laughs> the rest was what he refers to as foam and rubber cement. There's a realness that comes with practical explosions, same with realness that comes with practical, practical blood effects. Yeah. We don't get that much in this movie, except maybe in the opening uh, Murphy death scene. But um, CGI explosions, I just, I just don't think they've ever gotten there. Like, no, no, it is so much. I mean, they talk about this on um, Corridor Crew, and mm. it's just the, the 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 little imperfections. You have to work so hard to get just dirt and particulate elements and all that just to come together in yeah. such a way that replicates the chaotic nature of reality. This is a great segue into one of their most recent videos. I don't follow Corridor, Corridor Crew, but I do follow Adam Savage testing. Ah, yeah. And they just did the uh, CGI versus practical special effects challenge. And that's dealing with the... flesh as well. <laughs> Yeah, the the Chinatown knife uh, nose cutting scene, mm. and they replicated it with Adam building a prop that mirrors the one from the movie with a blood pack and splurts and all that type of stuff. And they timed it, and they could see what they could have done in CGI with the same amount of time, and mm. how good each one looks. Mm. What I love about that one is that I think both of them preferred each other's um, <laughs> results. I think that's always going to be the way, because if you've been working on something, like, I am sick of this, I don't want to look at it. Oh, you've done something different. Yeah. Oh, that must be better. But it, it does tell you a lot about like how great a practical effect can still be in a digital age. And mm. you could take some of that practical effects, and you can always ramp it up digitally. So um, like there's new filmmakers, or at least new big filmmakers, like um, James Gunn comes to mind, 
who would who still likes to use practical special effects. I mean, yeah, he's making big budget Guardians of the Galaxy. He's got a ton of digital replacements and all sorts. Mm. But like, there's something to be said about the realness of practical effect, and then just enhance it or supplement it. So. Mm. It still bothers me when I see CGI fire that doesn't light people's faces. Oh my god, it's not that hard. I've already had this rant on this podcast with a particular movie. I'm not going to mention yes. it again, but it still bothers me when I see that in a movie. Oh, uh, are we... I freaking forgot about gaslighting. I just looked at my notes. No, we haven't got there yet, but yeah, that's a bit of a thing. Let's, let's talk about a practical movie that's... CGI crap. I don't mm. fucking know what I'm talking oh, about anymore. Oh, by the way, uh, Leon in this minute is kind of dressed like I do, the way I dress at work, which is I've got this <laughs> black undershirt thing, a zip up, and then I got the jacket, and then I got a dog tag or a belt, and yeah, yeah, he looks smart. Um, he looks dope as hell. So he doesn't have much dark. Actually, the funny thing is, um, it's something that's noted in the the script. One of the reasons he doesn't have much dialogue in this particular minute, he was he was supposed to have had his jaw wired shut from oh. his encounter with Robocop. Out of it, so they obviously didn't have much for him to say. <laughs> have you seen Twin Peaks? No. Yeah, yeah. Every time I look at him, I'm just expecting. Anyway, yeah. If you've seen Twin Peaks, <laughs> he's just gonna have a breakdown and start dancing or whatever. Oh well, yeah. Well, it's David Lynch, you know. You, you, Expect the unexpected is just like um, mm. not even standard. It's like you know you can't even expect the unexpected because <laughs> David Lynch will just take it in a fucking opposite direction. Yeah, like to watch you anything anyway. Yeah, sometimes it's totally normal. There's nothing to see here. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Speaking of expecting the expected, gaslighting. <laughs> gaslighting Robocop. Alex, how do you feel? I feel fine, Doctor Norton. Minute 94 begins with soldiers opening fire on Norton. Or Norton antivirus, he should have downloaded <laughs> And ends with sellers apologizing to Clara for Alex's supposed death. So, my my first note is, um, apparently gunfire doesn't wake Murphy, but loud shouting does. I know, my first note was, Alex! Alex! Like he's, he's shouting over the gu- you'd think a cop would hear gunfire and st- nah <laughs> <sighs> also this is the minute where we're told that I think it's um, what's her face talking with Clara is that the event of the police station was quote last night mm. given the last few minutes mm. And how it transitions from day to night. It seems to have done it like a couple of times. Or at least very much, this does not feel like the next day. No, no. Too much is happening at once, but then that's how the movie is paced as well. So, Yeah. So, no. Bullshit. Because it even sounded like even in the, um, I can't believe it's not media break section, is like, it felt like that happened a, a day or so before they reported it. It didn't yeah, sound like... Yeah, but then like... th- there was the Dreyfus Act as well, so in order yes. for them to turn everything around based on the actions of Murphy, holy shit, no, that's not going to happen in a day. It just oh, can't. F- fuck you, movie. Fuck mm. you. Uh, also, <laughs> I think he woke up just to the voice of Norton because of the power of, of love, um, because they're oh, yeah. best buddies, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> 
a crazy little thing called love. Also, this is my moment. My, uh, apparently, the transmitter that lets sellers know that Robocop is alive could be re- like removed with like a pen off the mm. side of his fucking head at any given moment. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like uh, something you have to like cut out of your body. Um, I don't know if you've seen the yeah. boys, but recently, yeah, that that happened. Just no, cutting out have caught up with brutal. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, but that's it. It's like okay, why is it just a dongle on his fucking head? <laughs> dongle, because that's what it is. Yeah. And wouldn't it be like you know if Sellers was that smart, wouldn't it be like transmission loss, not? Oh, he must be dead, I guess. Yeah. It 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 still doesn't change his plans because he still kidnaps um Clara for reasons if he which make no sense if Murphy's dead. If he wanted to shut her up, he could have just killed the bitch. Wait, yeah, hang on. That's a good question. He well then he must have known that he wasn't dead. What I huh? But no! He assumes he's dead because he even says that to uh Maddox. Yeah. Like yeah, a fucking hell, movie. So let's what take Clara hostage. Uh, why did you expect Reasons. Lewis to come after you? What I don't. Hey, yeah, that... hang on. There's a Lewis in this movie. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally, Lewis. It's the uh, it's the uh, spin-off uh, TV oh, series Gaslighting after Robert, um, yeah. after yeah. Um, Murphy. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, was it suddenly Susan? Yeah, the nineties. Yeah, occasionally Lewis. <laughs> we have to have our own fun. This movie won't let us. It's the only way we can get through this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I am. I am just fucking over this film. I think that's the problem is that we've still got like 10 or so minutes. Oh no, we've still got like more, slightly more than 10 minutes to go on this thing. We, okay. No, it's worse than that. Mm. We have gone through the entire length of the original movie at this point in the remake. 93 Mm. minutes is where the last movie ended without, you know, credits with standing. Mm. So we still got an extra like 10 or so minutes on top of that. And this is the only point of now where things are finally fucking happening. So, it's a lot of shit in the compressed amount of time when they had like literally entire movies worth to do some of this crap. I just don't get. Is there some, I don't know, motivation behind modern movies being so much longer? I don't get it. Oh, yes and no. Um, it's it's a finicky balance act. So there's some theory is about the length of the movie being tied to how many times it could be shown in a regular cinema session. Mm. So essentially the, the math is you want to try and maximize the amount of showings per day, but you don't want to be too long, but you want to maximize the amount of time. So it's gone from like 90 minutes to two hours on average. That's mm. not including the big, the big blockbusters, which are now getting to two and a half, three and a half hours long. Mm. And the, the, theory behind that is that you now maximize the amount of cinemas as well as the amount of sessions so it's more money for bums on seats than anything else huh plus there's a there's a little bit of uh because wouldn't more sessions be the goal yeah but that's that's it it's also trying to max if you can 
Look how I put this way. Okay, look, we got to get our contractually obligated dig at Marvel's cinematic universes in yeah. Everest. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you can get Avengers Endgame into three c- cinema screenings over the one, you're pushing out competition. Ah. And you've got the cultural zeitgeist behind you, and you've so you're going to be making a lot of money. So it's sort of like uh, musical chairs. You know, I'm sitting on the seat, so you can't sit there. Yeah. So cinemas... Uh, I, I'm not I'm 100% sure of this. Again, it's, I'm going against some years-old information thinking about this off the top of my head. Cinemas for like 90% of a film's run make fuck all. They mm. make more money on cinema concessions and uh, like event stuff or like, you know, um, it's popcorn and, and sugar treats mm. more than they do with the movie. For like the first two or three weeks of a run. It's usually the back end of the run where they start generating personal money. But by that sense, you know, 10% of say... It's probably not 10%, but like 10% of a movie that's making a billion dollars is still a lot of money. Mm. But they get most of the ticket sales after its first run. Like, when they keep extending it and they'll start... Once the initial returns come in, the cinemas don't care. They've already made a billion dollars. Right. Um, oh, and I forgot uh, to mention that Minute 95 begins with Seller saying that he will announce Alex's death shortly and ends with Alex saying, you're working with the people who are trying to kill me. Um, so yeah those, yeah, those were two other points that, um, yeah, so uh, Sellers is talking to Clara and saying, oh yeah, sorry, your, your husband died, LaMeo, um, Lil Rip, and... Uh, <laughs> RSVP. RSVP, yeah, yeah. And announcing <laughs> Alex's death and so, you know, fulfilling the plan of, oh, he's going to die a hero and all that <sighs> bullshit. Um, and... So Alex and the whole uh, Murphy, I, I, I don't know what to call him. He's not really Robocop. Feels wrong to call him that. But, um, Roboflag. Roboflag, that feels more appropriate. But him saying to Norton, well, you're working with the people who are trying to kill me. I don't know, man. I mean, in that situation, there are people firing on you and Norton isn't, and he's telling you to get out of there. So yeah. it feels contrived. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, it's cliche movie dialogue. It doesn't have any real meaning in that scene is it just me am i thinking this too hard i don't no i think we can firmly establish that this version of murphy is not the sharpest tool in the shed no he's the himbo version of robocop (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like god damn it murphy i read literally read the room there's two guys with guns trying to kill you Hmm. and the one guy that's not is telling you to run and i don't want you to die you know maybe (laughs) Yeah, uh, it, fuck, yeah, it's just, no. It's just... I think this is a prime example of a scene that why it will fall flat every single time is that it's action pushing characters along, not characters yeah. pushing the story along. It has to be the other way around because yeah. it's just... I mean, it's the same thing with real life. Why do things happen? Well, sometimes... There are natural disasters. There are things out out, out of your hands, but actually, mm. the, the movie disaster uh, genre. <laughs> um, I think that's actually a really good allegory because, well, I'm not a big fan of the natural disaster ones, but no, when they work, why do they work? It's not because of a very impressive cyclone or flood or no. No. It's the characters. It's how the characters react and survive and adapt 
And so what we have in the Robocop remake a lot of the time, especially with Roboflake himself, he is not a character first. He is a plot device. And we've talked about that a lot of the times where, well, hang on. Okay, so if you wanted to just not have him be a real character, you make all the characters around him use him in different ways, and that could have been a great idea. So, yeah, that's one way you could... Here's some writing 101, I guess. <laughs> yeah, listen up, Hollywood. We know you, we know you're a fan. Mm. Isn't that funny? Though? You know, I'm not even a published author, and I feel like I have a firmer grasp on this basic shit than this million, multi-million dollar Hollywood movie. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just, I'm actually baffled. I'm surprised. I'm confused. Well, this is one of those movies that just all, just ultimately feels like it was made by a committee, or at least you know, it was made by studio executives more so than it was an autier project or a passion project of someone like like, we've we've talked about the um the director previously and again this this is not necessarily a shade on him but this clearly this entire project is steeped with cynicism and i think Mm. that's the thing we we've gone about how like the these actors are great for the most part, they're really good, but the material they're given is just nothing. Mm. And even when you get two powerhouse actors like uh, Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton into this thing, and they're giving everything they've got, but it's ultimately just failing because there's still nothing to grasp for. And our title character, the guy we should be rallying against, we don't give a flying fuck about him. Mm. We don't know this character realistically speaking we know more about the characters in his life but exactly what you said they're still not interesting yeah and because i spent so long with these characters i'm thinking oh well you know you could do this and oh you could just tweet it's like um i don't know me standing around your filthy camry and also your dad told me to give you shit about it um and i'm just standing around going "Hmm, i could just well, I could buff that out. Oh, I give that a little wipe. Down. Oh, what if I just corrected this? And <laughs> the difference is that for me, a car is a utility, whereas How I dare. don't see a person as a utility in a storytelling con. Okay, yes, in a storytelling context, you give characters tasks, you mm. give them situations for them to overcome. That's part of narrative. None of these characters have. Any okay, so the probably the one character that has a clearly assigned goal from the beginning of this movie to this end of this exact mm. point right now is Sellers. We know his goals, we know what he wants to do. We he's been clear as crystal about all this stuff. He wants to get this Dreyfus Act appealed so he can have his killer dr- bots unleashed upon America. Mm. What is Murphy's goal? Mm. We don't know. Yeah, we kind of know uh, Gary Oldman's goal when he decides on it, and that's the other problem. We keep referring to these guys and girls by their actors' names or other names because most of the time we can't even remember half these characters' names. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember everyone in the original Little Little Easier. Yeah, and none of these characters I really give a shit about. Mm. Like, we even we even joke about how. Little Lewis is in this film, and I honestly barely remember him the first time watching this beyond the first moments he's in it. 
I mm. forgot that he's in the rest of this film. I don't even recall if he's in the rest of this film at this point. The last mm. we saw him was at the cop shop. I do not recall if he's ever in a single minute of the rest of this film. Mm. I, 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 I just don't. As sad as it sounds, because again, great actors, but I, I don't know. I don't care. Mm. But uh, yeah, we've only got like mm, uh, ten or something more minutes of this fucking film. We're so. nearly done. Yeah. Where can the lovely listeners find you? The lovely viewers can find me at Painting with Night Photos. That's Painting with Night, no caps, no gaps on mm-hmm. Instagram and the Facebooks and paintingwithnight.com. You can find me at tribeindesigns.com, T R A V I A N, and uh, Courtney Colson on YouTube, and I am Courtney and Ivy on Instagram, and I went to Cars and Coffee today so you can see my photos oh. of my beautiful car. And uh, you can find us at 60 Seconds to Comply on both uh, Instagram and Twitter, although I don't use Twitter that much because I don't understand Twitter. It's scary and I'm old. Twitter is not a great um, promotional tool for the most part, Mm. (laughs) unless you already got a lot of followers, and also Facebook. Yeah, our people are loving our uh, Robocop, our OCP costume, so if you want to check that out, head on over there. Yeah. You can find us at Simplecast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, which I've never understood how it works. It seems to be working. Um, Apparently, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. If you're hearing this, it's working. Have we got any reviews? We should probably read them out. Uh, Not last I checked. And I... uh, Oh, yeah, YouTube. uh, Subscribe. Leave us some comments. Make us feel loved. And, uh... Shit. Was there another one? There's another one. Uh, no. I usually just go on rambling about the uh, fucking algorithm, because the algorithm... Oh, yeah, fucking algorithm, blah, blah, blah. Um, and until next time. So, my Robocop is also a 50 caliber assault cannon with video targeting. (laughs) (laughs) Jumanji. (laughs) 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 Thank <laughs> you.